everybody, Happy New Year and welcome to the Talking City Podcast, the first episode of 2023 and it's brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy and joining me today, back on form now, back two successive starts, it's Mr Simon Mikowski. Si, Happy New Year, how's it going? Yeah, Happy New Year to you, it's, uh, it's going well, going well, very, mm-hmm. very sunny, I can see it streaming out the your back window. I've had to close my curtains because it's in front of me. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it, we always find something to complain about, don't we? We do, we do. But at least you know a delightful start to the year. Hopefully, it continues. But it wasn't exactly a delightful end to last year for Manchester City. They were in action on New Year's Eve, uh, coming up against Everton, a game that, as we said last week, they kind of needed to win given the the fixtures coming their way at the start of 2023. But they let it slip. They went ahead and ended up drawing two Everton. Of course, it was Erling Haaland who gave City the the lead in the first half, turning in from Riyad Mahrez's really good work down the flank. And but then you no know, City had all the possession, all the well, the stats say 16 shots, but only three of them were on target. And eventually, they let Everton score with their one shot on target in the entire match. As a, I'd say, a bit laxical, defending kind of gave Damari Gray the space to bend in what was an excellent shot. It's a poor result, Sai, and a poor performance as well. Yeah, um, and comes on the back of another poor performance and poor result in their last home home league game against Brentford before the break. So um, it, it's it's one of those where I think we've said before, City tend to be more up for like the big away games like Ellen Road or Stamford Bridge or whatever. You called it. Um, than they are for those home games where you would expect to win. Um, I mean, usually they win anyway, but this time they didn't. And, you know, it might be the... Because I sort of thought, oh, City's home record is really bad now, isn't it? And then... I looked and it's only like the last two that they've dropped points and I think they'd won every match before then. So it might be the case that like these are the only two matches they dropped points in at home this season. Um, and we say, well, they were both one-offs, but it's just so happened that the two one-offs have come uh, one after the other. And, you know, Guardiola very happy with how City came back after the World Cup against Liverpool and Leeds. He said after this match that he was so delighted with them and, you know, they did so well, but... I'm not sure they did, and also his kind of his later comments in the press conference kind of suggested that they um, they didn't create enough to to win, which which is true. I mean, for all the possession, for all the shots, um, I can't remember Jordan Pickford making too many saves, and certainly, I mean, City had about half an hour after um, after Gray equalised, and you know, I can't really remember sort of like onslaught on on the Everton goal that you would expect um, in those situations. Mm, yeah, it was kind of typical of City when they get in that sort of kind of a rut where they have all the ball and it's, it's you know, it's the perfect game for the for the true football men who always moan like, you could have all the ball, but just get it in the mixer, get a shot away. And while it's kind of a, you know, a prehistoric view, sometimes it does a ring a bit of truth, you know, for all City's possession, they had 16 shots, but only three of them on target. That kind of, Shows that they weren't exactly good chances in good areas. I, you know, a lot of them kind of come in outside the box and hitting hopes, which we've seen City do sometimes. You know, when well, a good example when it actually paid off was against Dortmund when with nothing on John Stones just let fly from thirty yards, and in that occasion it goes in and it looks like a great goal, and everyone goes on happy after Haaland's winner. But 
nine times out of ten, you know, as any XG stat will probably say, the likelihood of a centre back blasting one in from thirty yards or a Rodri or whatever is kind of on the short side. And it's why it's always so kind of frustrating when they do take those shots on. I think we saw it quite a few times at crucial moments in the World Cup. It's like, what what are you doing kind of shooting from there? And, you know, it was just one of those days from City where it feels like there's that lacking that little bit of spark. And I think we have to kind of go to this kind of debate that's circling around the forwards. And I think Maris has been really good since the restart. He's a great goal. Well, sorry, a great assist here. A great goal against Liverpool. He's looking getting back to his best after Guardiola challenged him um, in kind of early October, as we've discussed when talking about Calvin Phillips a few times um, in a similar sort of way. And, and, you know, Grealish was involved in the goal as well. He gave it to Mares, But, you know, City haven't, you know, won this game with that forward three. And Foden is the is the big story coming out of the match. He's not been playing. Is it just one start of the last six league games or something like that? It kind of snuck out of nowhere how he's suddenly kind of seemingly... Um, in that second string place again, where Maris was um, just a few months ago, it's, it's like they've swapped positions because Foden was playing so brilliantly at one point. You know, the United game, absolutely incredible. Um, had a good World Cup as well, but now seemingly um, on the back foot again. Yeah, I think it, I mean, it's very interesting you bring up the United game with Foden as well. Um, Foden is, you know, a huge issue with City fans at the minute who can't understand why, why he's not in the team. Um, Guardiola was asked about it um, again after the match against Everton and he was asked specifically about Foden and he said that he preferred the extra passes that Grealish bring, brings to the team against Leeds and Everton. Um, later on, he was he, he was asked about um, playing Alvarez and Haaland together and he, he made the point that, you know, it's all very well, but if you've no one creating chances behind and your midfield's a bit less stable because you've got two up front, then um, it doesn't really work as an as an option, um, which is which kind of like told the story of the the Everton game because like nobody was on it basically, um, and so it's all very well having Haaland, but if you're not getting the balls into him or creating good enough chances, then he's not going to score them. Um, and then he spoke about body language and said that body language is at the minute body he looks at body language in training and in matches to decide who starts in his team um now foden was obviously benched for the last three league games before the world cup foden cancelo and walker have all been benched uh for the two league games after immediately after the world cup um i think uh well, no, I don't think I know. Rico Lewis played ahead of Cancelo and Walker again, which um, was was surprising, and he did well. But um, but you still got these two huge international players who um, who should play and Foden. It, it's kind of the reason Foden and United is is interesting is because the United game, City absolutely blew them away, and it was an instance of you looked at that City team and you thought they have the power and the pace and the quality to dismantle. United or any team they like and it felt like a return to the sort of 17-18 season when Leroy Sane and Raheem Sterling just scored and assisted for fun and City absolutely battered any appointment whereas any opponent whereas since the pandemic um, Guardiola's preferred to contain and win more games 1-0 and it felt like that against Everton which is fine if you win 1-0 
But once you equalise and you've still nothing to come, that is when it falls down and people say, well, why are you only bringing on Bowden and other game changes with a few minutes to go? Because anyone who watched the second half could see that City were flat for the whole thing and Grealish and Maris did well uh, for the first goal, but were pretty anonymous in the second half when you needed them to create chances. And that is a very long-winded answer, but there we are. No, it's interesting. It's something I didn't quite hadn't quite considered. So is it like for the for the first time here that Guardiola could perhaps come in for a kind of a bit of criticism here then? Because like, kind of for all of his time at City pretty much, he's kind of been above reproach for good reason. City have won four, four out of six possible league titles or whatever it's been now at this stage. They've been incredible. Um, I think the only time Guardiola's really come in for some start criticism has been like the Champions League final and other crucial Champions League games where he's changed something unexpectedly and City have gone, you know, knocked out the, you know, the classic overthinking it. And, you know, as you say that, I, I didn't quite notice, but I'd say the, the United game and the the Southampton game that followed it, where they won 4-0, those were probably the last times City had played really well before the World Cup break. I'd, I'd say they played quite well against Liverpool, but those two games, they started the season quite well. They were, min, um, you know, 10 goals in two matches on Arsenal. But after that, they kind of the performance levels definitely dipped. You know, they had the Liverpool defeat, and they did well to come back and start winning. But they only did so narrowly against. Uh, well, they won by two goals against Brighton, but Brighton certainly gave them some trouble. Took late goals against Leicester and Fulham to win. Um, so they were winning, and then obviously the Brentford game, and they lost. And the performances have definitely been on a dip. And is that maybe because Guardiola has changed the, the way they were playing a bit? As you say, there like they've set up now with the, how the team with Haaland. He's an incredible poacher and, you know, his goal rate has continued, has continued to fly. So it's not like he's been playing poor or anything, but he's certainly not scoring as many as he could do, as, as we've said. And maybe it's the case of him not being quite fit that they can't do this. But, you know, they were so good against United with Haaland, with City kind of hitting them really quickly. Haaland kind of playing a bit more on the shoulder, a, a bit more direct. It's not like there's not bad football or anything, but they were hitting, um, you know, they hit United and Southampton. They were hitting them really direct, getting Haaland kind of in... De Bruyne, I don't think we've seen De Bruyne do those crosses from that really good gap between the box and the touchline for a bit. And he was finding Haaland at the back post so many times. And they were they were still playing attractive football, of course, but it was much more direct. And as you say, now it's a lot more going back to, I think the, the best example has always been like kind of Spain and the um, to what, what World Cup, 2014 World Cup, whatever it was, when they had all the ball all the time, but had no striker, you know, Cesc Fabregas up front and were just not scoring at all. And is, is it a bit... Is this what's happening now with Guardiola? Has he changed it? As, again, it could be because Haaland isn't fit enough yet to really be doing all the hard running. And I mean, he's certainly putting some hard yards to absolutely crop whoever he took out in that moment when it nearly when it nearly all kicked off. But maybe it's been a subtle change in that regard just to pers- uh, you know, to, uh, to prevent Haaland from kind of over-exuding himself too much, maybe. Yeah, the goals have definitely dried up. Um, Foden got a hat-trick against United. Mm. Foden is still City's second top scorer this season. Um, so, you, you know, it, it's you can draw a line between Foden not being in the team and City's goals kind of drying up. And them, you know, like you say, they've not played that well since Southampton. And to an extent, that's normal because teams have dips naturally in the season. Um, and, you know, they will be will have been focused on the Champions League and they've had the World Cup and you've got to expect a bit of disruption. But yeah, it is also um, over the last few years, Guardiola has been um, 
more bothered about control and controlling games. And Haaland is a player where you sort of take that handbrake off. And certainly against Everton, he was absolutely wild. Um, as much as he is adapting to City, he is a player who you can afford to go a bit more gung-ho with um, as a team. But yeah, City just haven't been um, haven't been at it. And, you know, we've seen kind of Jack Grealish running at defenders in his City career and we've seen him do it at Villa and you kind of have to think that if he's not doing it and if Maris isn't doing it too much, then then they're not really being asked to do too much. But it does feel like the direct approach with Haaland has um, disappeared a bit. Maybe as opposition teams have, um, have wised up to it and are no longer giving the likes of De Bruyne the space. I mean, De Bruyne kind of just had a really off day against Everton. He put in a few... A few balls into the box that were really, really good um, and made a lot of kind of poor decisions otherwise that, uh, that you know, missed out on on threatening opportunities. So it, it's kind of an interesting thing. The only real time I can think was in the, the pandemic, the 2020-2021 season um, when Guardiola had been moaning about not being able to use five subs but kind of didn't make any subs. And there was that awful... Derby with United at Old Trafford where no one wanted to win and towards the end of that year there was a bit in the squad that was kind of like questioning what why the substitutes weren't being brought on um and that is the nature of City's very good squad and that is why you know any analysis after Saturday that concludes City don't have the squad to win the title is nonsense because you know on the bench you've got Walker, Cancelo, Foden, Gundogan, um, Alvarez, so they have an amazing squad, but it does mean that, you know, Guardiola has to decide which 11 players start every week. And if they don't win, then thoughts automatically turn to the players that he didn't use, but could have used. Um, and especially Foden is seen as, you know, the beacon of City's attacking football, I would say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I do want to kind of raise another point, you know, for, as you say there, Guardiola's kind of questioned... Um, the body language and, you know, by virtue of it being the players who aren't starting at the minute, we can kind of decipher who he's kind of talking about or at least hinting towards. And then you've got that and you've got the, as I said, as I mentioned earlier, you've got earlier in the season, he kind of called out Mares for his physical condition. We've got the Phillips thing that happened last week saying he came back overweight. There's been quite a few incidents now, just this season alone, of ill-discipline, shall we say. As I said, I'd pay good money to be as overweight as Calvin Phillips was, 100%. But he's come back not in the best condition. Mares has not been in the best condition. Of course, players can be unfit and it's an absolutely gruelling, um, hectic schedule they've all been subjected to over the last, few, well, going on three or four years at this point. But is there kind of maybe a problem of, you know, and this doesn't board well given the new contract that's just been signed. So, but is there a bit of like, I think we've talked before how there's, possibility of Guardiola's such intensity and his really kind of peculiar and intense methods can grate on players. It's why he was never at a club before City for longer than four years. You get the impression, not only on the players, but on him as well. He's so, I know he's kind of mellowed out in a few, the recent years, but he's still probably more intense than anyone else you could think of other than maybe Jurgen Klopp. Is there a, a chance that maybe that is he's finally kind of grinding away at something in the relationship isn't quite as rosy. It just seems like there's a lot of incidents happening already this season that we've not. I don't think we've really seen um, 
off the top of my head anyway, in the, his previous seasons? Or is it just, you know, some and much much of a muchness reading too much into it? I would kinda say, you know, around the new contract, Guardiola's strength at the club has never been greater. You know, City really, really wanted him to sign this new deal. He's finally signed it. So in a sense, really, he can do or say what he wants because he has ultimate power. And, you know, all, all of the players now know that he is there for another two and a half years. So if any of them were thinking, well, maybe I don't have to sort of fully put that shift in or maybe his rules around weight and training aren't going to be as rigorously enforced. Now they know that they will be and they will be for another two years. And, and it's not a case of players thinking... Not, not that they would, or not that they are, but they, you know, you've seen it happen in the past where players think they can wait out a manager and wait until a manager leaves, and then the the the, the strength and the power is with the player. Whereas Guardiola has made it clear that he is the the ultimate boss, and he's still the one that you've you've got to please. Um, so you know, the, there's a hell of a lot of football going to be played January and February, and probably March, April, and May. So there's a lot of opportunities for for players. And I mean, Foden came on against Everton and was brighter than pretty much anyone else had been all all games. So those are things that you can't really ignore. Um, you would think, you know, his body language looked pretty good there. Um, you know, there's a high-profile incident at United with Rashford being dropped against Wolves and then coming on at half-time and some... You could view that as Rashford responding to the manager. You could view that as the manager being like, you're dropped, oh wait, no, we're struggling to beat Wolves, on you come, all is forgiven. But the the point is that Rashford coming on and playing well drew a line under that issue. So Foden starting is the way to, to draw a line under any such sort of issues of of him not getting getting the attention, but equally Guardiola is in that strong position where Foden won't start until he does exactly what Guardiola wants him to do. You know, and I feel like always the way with a poor City result, even though they have been a bit more uh, frequent uh, in the last few games, whenever City, because they're so good usually and so um, imperious and win all the time, that the slightest negative result is it's quite easy to pick a lot out of. So let's kind of go to a positive, and that is that Haaland did score once again, and it was a lovely work goal. I said, you know, you say Grealish and Mares were quiet for the rest of the match, but they combined really nicely here, and Mares, I thought, did really well but weaving into that defence to tee up Haaland, who, you know, does what Haaland does. So at least there was one moment of uh, magic for City to see out the air with. Yeah, it was good, and, you know, like, like you say, these negative results are picked over a lot because they don't happen very often and you go back to Guardiola's pre-match press conference and he's saying the performances against Liverpool and Leeds were why I've extended my contract I'm so proud of the players um, and, and and that you know you felt was one of the more more genuine comments kind of more genuine than coming out afterwards after the Everton game and saying how how well they'd played um, it, it's yeah Haaland has improved the team and uh, Bernardo was speaking recently about how it's so it's just so good having Haaland for them because whenever Bernardo or Foden or anyone like that was asked to play up front they would absolutely hate not being able to touch the ball as often as they used to 
Whereas Haaland doesn't care. He said early in the season, didn't he? He'll have five touches and score five goals. Thanks very much. Um, you know, the, the epitome of efficiency, really. Whereas all the other players are archetypal pep players that, that want to touch the ball a lot. So, yeah, he, he didn't need much and he scored and Pickford kind of tried to save it and ended up taking it past Cody on the line who probably would have kept it out. Um, and yeah, it was good work from Grealish Mahrez, but it was just the sort of work that should have kept going. Um, he talks about sort of opinions and things and like get it in the mixture and everything like the fact remains in any football game that if you only score one, you're only one nil up, you leave yourself open to, to not winning the game and poor pass from Rodri, poor pass from a poor defending from Akanji and uh and Gray was allowed to score and City didn't have that that was where you want you your wide players and whatever to, to come good and respond to that Everton goal and they, they didn't really. So it was kind of a surprise to see him stay on until the the eighty seventh mm. minute. Yeah, well let's talk about that equaliser briefly as well. I should say um Damari Gray, an excellent shot out from that kind of the edge of the box into the top corner. Nothing Edison could have done about it. But the city side before he got that shot really could I was um stunned that Gray had so much time on the ball. It was like Watching it back, it was like there was a moment where oh he must shoot there, and then he slips, <laughs> and it's like he's been allowed to slip, get back onto his feet, and then you know, full credits for the shot. As I say, it was a, it was a great goal. Not offered a shot like that, especially from Demar Gray, bends straight into the top corner, and Edison nothing he could do about it. But how there was no one closer to him, especially when you know they give he gives them he gives City a chance to get closer. He slips, he and he takes all the time in the world to pick his corner. Howden, there was no one out to him, was quite inexcusable, really. I think of all the things in that game, that must have irked Guardiola the most. Yeah, the the defending has dropped this season. And um, even at Leeds, conceded from a set piece. Um, they were so good from set pieces last season. I think they conceded one. Uh, conceded one goal from a set piece, whereas this year, it, it's at least three. It might be more. Um and yet, similarly, Edison couldn't do couldn't do anything with the the Everton strike. It's something I sort of got on my notepad to to look into, but it, it's not quite as obvious as nineteen twenty when everyone just passed the ball beyond Rodri and through the non-existent centre backs. But it, it feels like City aren't conceding many chances, but are getting themselves into a situation where the few chances they can they give up, they concede a goal. Um, which isn't a good thing, um, really, because you want, you know, you don't want the chances you you're giving up to be good, basically. Um, even if it was a a good strike from Gray, so it, yeah, the, the, there's something not quite right with the defense. Kind of understandable when there are so many changes, and Laporte's now joined Diaz being injured, so they're not at full strength in defence, but they still haven't been as impressive as, as you would like them to have been. Mm, absolutely not. But to end on one last positive on the match, uh, one player who has been impressive, especially in Qatar, was Julian Alvarez. He returned after his World Cup triumph. Lovely warm reception um, at the Etihad as he showed off his uh, medal before the match. And he came on. How, how did he look? Did he still look sharp? And, um, you know, someone asked any player of Haaland, I don't know about that specifically. We're going to four four two, but does Alvarez need to start? I mean, Joe discussed this after the World Cup. Does Alvarez 
they have a case of much more game time now with how well he played over for Argentina. And is there a bit more of a worry for City that when they signed him, obviously South American Player of the Year came with massive pedigree as it was. I think I don't think anyone really expected him to be um, such a pivotal part of the first team so soon as Guardiola made it clear he would be just with um, you know his age coming from South America, the amount of signs City make from all over the world and you know Arthur never stepped foot in Manchester. Alvarez was different from the offset. But there was definitely a case of he's on the bench, he's the reserve, there's not a great kind of pressure to play him. It's kind of similar to Gabriel Jesus, but whereas Jesus never could really make that starting berth and even you know by his own admission didn't not essentially not deserve it, but understood why he didn't get it. It seems more like for me now with Alvarez like if he's not starting, obviously not in January, but in a year or so, and he's already a World Cup winner, he, he probably has more of a case of saying, I deserve more game time, I might want to look. And I'm not saying he would do that, he seems like a, a really humble lad and one who's really willing to work hard for his spot. But there's, I feel like there's definitely more risk of that ha- potentially happening. You know, a World Cup winner, a player of his ability, as we've seen, should be starting every week, and unfortunately for him, he's just gone to the one club where he probably won't. Yeah, I, I mean it, it. It's always a bit, um, you know, you, you can't re- you can't say too much about I'm a World Cup winner, in the sense that like Emmy Martinez, isn't a, a goalie that should be playing for a top four team despite winning the World Cup. Nicholas Otamendi, City were very happy to have gotten rid of a few years ago. So you know he he did really well to w- win the World Cup. I'm not sure it turns him into any better of a player than than he was um but i think what what will change um after the the world cup is guardiola may use him more in the big games there's kind of always a reticence to play new signings in big games because they take time to adapt to new league and the new team and whatever whereas whereas what alvarez has done is a break into the argentina team during the world cup because he didn't start off in it um, but he's also shown that he is totally unfazed by by big occasions, and that is a quality that that Guardiola really loves. Um, so we may see him see him more in the big games. He's he, he's actually played a, in most of City's games, but most of those appearances have been off the bench. Um, he, I'm not sure how fit he is. He'd only had one training session with City um, before being thrown on. He wouldn't have played, I don't think, if City had been winning. He was just kind of thrown on because they needed a goal and he has that sense of goal. And he also has the the record smashing Erling Haaland ahead of him in that nine position. So so when Haaland is fit, it's unlikely Alvarez would would get ahead of him. But the the next question is, you know, are Mares, Grealish, Foden, Palmer doing enough to be ahead of Alvarez as a forward? Um, and there, that's for me wide open at the minute. So if he plays well, there's no reason why he can't, um, you know, be used on that right wing or sort of in a ten behind Haaland. Mm-hmm. Well, we're sure to find out in the coming uh, days and weeks because, as mentioned, 2023 does not start off easy for City in the slightest. It's why the draw with Everton was such a disappointing result because um, it now means City are seven points behind Arsenal. Um, in the title race, Arsenal, who themselves have come back, you know, we questioned and wondered if they'd be able to keep their momentum. It seemed like the World Cup came at the wrong time for them 
injury to Gabriel Jesus, but my, they have um, responded to all that hardship in absolute style. Um, Brighton was a really potential of a hiccup game, and they dispatched them with relative ease of winning 4-2 to um, you know, keep that gap, well, extend that gap at the top of the table. And as we say, now that the, the, the fixture list for City at the start of the start of the year is not an easy one. It starts on Thursday with a trip to Chelsea before Chelsea come to uh, come to the Etihad just a few three days later in the FA Cup. Then there's a Carabao Cup quarter final against Southampton uh, and away at Manchester Derby on the 14th. Uh, Tottenham at home on the 19th. Wolves at home on the 22nd and then uh, as February we'll, we'll begin with a trip to Tottenham. There'll be another Carabao Cup game in, thrown in there if City advance past Southampton and of course in February there is the title, uh, the big top of the table clash with Arsenal and the Champions League restarts. So that's why a win against Everton was, seems pretty crucial. Seven points is by no means an unassailable gap side but it's certainly one you know if Arsenal don't slow down this one that they won't be able to catch um, you know regardless so it's they need to get back to winning ways uh, on Thursday they, they when they face Chelsea thankfully for them while Chelsea on paper is obviously a really tough match Chelsea themselves are not going great guns whatsoever on new on new, yesterday New Year's Day they drew with Nottingham Forest and a really another poor performance from them so it's certainly an interesting one. City need to bounce back. Yeah, um, I mean, the thing is, they've got Chelsea away and then Chelsea at home in the FA Cup. So, um, you know, you you beat Chelsea twice and you've utterly demoralised a, a rival, really, and knocked them out of another competition. you sort of almost single-handedly the reason why um, or ended Chelsea's hopes of winning three competitions. So that will be a real boost um, City play well usually at Stamford Bridge um, and you know last season I don't know if you remember it I think it was October time end of September October so much earlier in the season but City were in a bit of trouble they weren't playing well and they had Chelsea away PSG away and Liverpool away in a week and it was kind of put to the manager like you know a tough few games you might be in a bit of trouble here and he he just kind of replied and was like well what if we win what if we win them and they beat Chelsea just absolutely monstered them at Stamford Bridge they lost at PSG and they drew in that 2-2 thriller at Anfield and by the end of that week they'd done enough for everyone to kind of be like yeah they're really title challengers so it is a really tough fixture list for City and they do have to play a lot of the better teams coming up but they tend to like it that way it's kind of just the way Guardiola City roll. Um, so, aside from like losing to Tottenham in any circumstances whatsoever, it's probably the the next most reliable thing that they will do really well against um, the big the big teams in the big matchups and a, a double header with with Chelsea, albeit in two separate competitions, seems like the it, it could be the kind of catalyst to kickstart this second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think you mentioned it on last week's show. Like they can get up for the the seemingly tougher games, the hostile atmospheres, the other you know, really big crucial games. It's the you're more run of the mill. Oh, we should easily walk past Everton or whatever. That they kind of I wouldn't say get complacent, but maybe just take the foot off the gas a little bit. Um, what would you say with City's team here? Because you know Guardiola, as we've mentioned, Cancelo, Walker, Foden yet to play. Um, since yet yet to start. Sorry, since the World Cup. Um. 
you know, not a good performance. He has now got kind of a bit of leeway to make some more changes. What what do you kind of foresee happening? Um, I would be really, really surprised if Walker and Cancelo don't come back into the team. Uh, Ake's played well. Stones has played well. Akanji was a bit iffy at the weekend. Um, so that's kind of your back five sorted. Um, Rodri De Bruyne obviously play. Then it's just Gundogan or De Bruyne. Uh, Gundogan or Bernardo, or both, if you don't deem that uh, Mares or or Grealish can can come in. I, I mean, it, it's kind of set up for Foden, I would say. But we've said that we've said that for a while. Um, My fantasy but, team is taking a beating with Foden. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have a three. And as yeah, soon as I move them yeah. out, they will start. So what can you do? I know, I know. Cancelo's the real pain, isn't he? Um, because mm-hmm. he's gone from just starts every game to to being ousted unexpectedly. Um, but it, it's just the way Guardiola has been. But I, I think you can you can pick eight or nine of that team that will start at Chelsea, um, mm-hmm. or that it would be a surprise if they if they don't start. Because I, I do think you you want that experience. I know Lewis has done well at Ellen Road, say, but um, done well against sort of, Chelsea before the season as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think City's big advantage in this title race with Arsenal is experience. They know how to win a title. They know how to reel a team in. Uh, they know how to lead. So it's it's the players such as Walker and Cancelo um, that have been so central to their success that you would think would be a shoe in to come in starting with Chelsea. Absolutely. Well, we look forward to watching that and talking about it. But before we bring this episode of the podcast to a close, side, it is, of course, January. So the transfer window is now open. I don't think it's going to be much of a concern for City Guardiola. You know, they spent um, quite unexpectedly quite a bit um, in the summer. You know, you, more than, you know, it's a bit of a refresh, a rejuvenation, signing six players more than and spending more than what they usually do. Of course, a lot of that expenditure was offset with sales and whatnot. But it's unlikely, you know, Guardiola has said several times that City won't be after anyone in the summer. I am in January. I imagine that will remain the case throughout this month. But if they were to sign anyone, do you reckon there's any positions that could maybe use a bit of a bit of an improvement, a bit of a spruce up? I mean, you can tell the transfer window is open because so many fans are screaming for a new left back. Yes. Left back has been, you know, the the one position that City fans have wanted since Probably 2018. And it, Got Sergio and Gomez. What are you minding about? Yeah, yeah. And it, Sergio Gomez is kind of really surprising. Like, he played in that big derby win over United. Um, but it doesn't say very much about him that we haven't seen him uh, since the World Cup, even though he was one of the few who didn't play at the World Cup. You know, that, that Liverpool Carabao Cup game had his name all over it. So, how he didn't start, um, I, I really don't know. But. Um, yeah, I. It's one of them. Like I said earlier, City have got the squad to win the league, so they, you know, they um, they had two centre backs out on Saturday and still played three very good centre backs, three international centre backs. So, um, yeah, I can't imagine them them doing much business. And fullback is is the only real area where you would look at but then you could also say arguably they've got one more fullback than they had because uh Lewis has has come on so well so mm-hmm. it is is very boring for 
those who seek out transfer news. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd be I'd be surprised if if they um, splash the cash to uh, mm. to borrow from from Mr. Klopp. <laughs> well, is, 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 if there is any business, it, I'd imagine it'd be on the kind of the exit door, potentially players going out on loan. Is there any uh, any from the academy who could be going out this month? You know, we've seen um, James McAtee doing really well at Sheffield and Tommy Doyle, for that matter, both doing really well at Sheffield United at the minute and, you know, a few more here and there around uh, the Championship and, of course, the Legion that are around in, you know, Girona and wherever all the wherever all those players go once they're signed and are never heard from ever again. Um, is there is there a case of anyone else going out on loan? I, I believe, you know, Morgan Rogers missed out on one in the summer due to injury, didn't he? He was involved uh, in the, the friendly against Girona. Uh, potentially a move for him? Uh, potentially, yeah. I, it's something I need to follow up on, so watch out on the website for mm-hmm. some probably not very exciting news. But um, yeah, th- you would think there would be a few that, um, a few that have impressed in the, the under-21s this season that might might fancy a taste of, of senior action. Um, so yeah, but I, I think that's the level you're talking about. You're not really looking at first team or and like there's um you know interest in uh the Argentine teenager. Oh yeah. Um from Velez. Yeah, P- but Perosi or something like that. I can't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. But you know, he's not gonna be starting in the final game of the season, is he? He's he's very no. much one for one for the future if if he is for the mm-hmm. city. So um yeah, you you're talking uh under twenty ones or city football group, I think for the majority of the window. Absolutely. Well, it doesn't look set to be a very exciting January in the transfer front, but it's certainly going to be one on the pitch. So to keep up to date with all the latest Manchester City news, you you know where to go. It's manchestereveningnews.co.uk forward slash Manchester City. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the first episode of Talking City of the Year. We'll be back maybe later this week. I'm not quite sure. Uh, at least some point soon to discuss that Chelsea game and the next Chelsea game. So thank you very much for listening um, for, to this episode. Of course, you can check out this podcast in living colour on our YouTube channel at Manchester Evening News Dash Man City. Please go over there and give us a nice little like and subscribe and you know go and have a look at my ugly mug if you so desire. But until next week or later this week, everyone, thank you once again for listening and we'll see you later on. For, but for now, to wrap. Thank you.